Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. we can have free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of the Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on the stolen lands of the Ghana and Wurundjeri peoples for 3CR Melbourne. We'll be hearing an update from Mia Pepper from the Conservation Council of WA about the proposed uranium mine in Western Australia at Morga Rock and the proposed merger between Vimy Resources and Deep Yellow. After that, we'll get Dr Jim Green's perspective on what the election result means for the nuclear campaign in Australia. Hi, I'm Mia Pepper. I work with the Conservation Council of WA with the Nuclear Free Campaign. Today we're going to talk about the latest developments at Mulga Rocks. So just for a bit of context to start with, can you just tell us where is Mulga Rocks, whose country it's on and why it's a special place? Sure. Um, Mulga Rock is about 240 kilometres northeast of Kalgoorlie, which most people might know is in the gold fields of Western Australia. Um, so Mulga Rock is in the Great Victoria Desert and it's in an area um, defined by the state government as a yellow sandplain priority ecological community. So it's been pretty undisturbed from industrial activity. Um, so there's there's um, quite a lot of biological diversity, some um, rare threatened endangered vulnerable species that um, that live there. It's also just south of a huge gold mine, Tropicana. Um, so, uh, yeah, to get there mostly you would travel on the Tropicana Road um, and take a, take a right into the sand dunes past some huge xanthoria trees. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where it is. It's on Upali Upali country. Upali um, uh, Upali is a part of the Wangatha Nation and there's a native title claim that was registered in 2020 for that area. Um, but it's also became the home of a group of people known as the Spinifex people. And they are actually descendants from the from South Australia, from the Maralinga area, who migrated or fled um, South Australia during the British atomic weapons testing. And um, settled in a community there known as Kundali, um, which is about 50 kilometres from the proposed uranium mine. Um, but after a while, that, that group, the Spinifex mob, moved a little bit further east to a community called Jujanjara. Um, so there's both the Upali Upali and the Spinifex who, um, feel, who are connected to that country and care for that country. It sounds like it's a really special place, but for Vimy Resources, it's special because of the uranium that it holds. Um, where is the uranium mine approval process at at the moment? Mulga Rock was approved back in 2017 by the WA state government. It went through a public environment review process. Um, 
and then it shortly after it got a federal environmental approval and so that was in the dying days of the state liberal government and it was a, you know it was a fairly um, political decision in the end um, there's not a great amount of environmental protections for that that project in their conditions but there were requirements for them to do a whole lot of secondary management plans and they have most of those approved the only uh, there's a few outstanding approvals that they need one of those is a works approval from the state uh, department of uh, water and environmental regulation and they they put a proposal for their works approval in last year and that was rejected um, so they are likely to have another go at that soon um, they also need a few national permits and licenses for transporting uranium possessing uranium exporting uranium um, but I mean they're unlikely to be yeah that they're, they're kind of um, fairly straightforward and not not very public, um, not very open to consultation or public engagement on those. But the works approval, you know, will be um, tracking that really carefully and there should be an opportunity for public comment on that. Um, but I guess in terms of where the project itself is up to, um, they had to substantially commence mining um, as part of their conditions for their approval by the 16th of December last year. Otherwise, they would lose their environmental approval. So they they uh, started clearing huge tracts of land um, in that area to try and demonstrate that they've substantially commenced. So, as far as they're concerned and the government's concerned, they've they've commenced mining, but um, they haven't started digging, and they they can't because they they still need a works approval to actually commence mining. Um, it is totally convoluted. So they've got to do some damage to get permission to do more damage. Yeah. It's, it is a very convoluted process and we've argued, though there's no real legal avenue to challenge it, but we've argued often and loudly that the company hasn't substantially commenced, that they've been unnecessarily destructive but that it is it's completely um backwards to say that you've substantially commenced mining before you've even made a final investment decision so at the board level the company hasn't yet decided on exactly the the form that the project will take they're still um they're still doing feasibility studies to work out whether they're going to just mine uranium or whether they're going to mine uranium and base metals, which would include nickel, zinc, cobalt um, and copper, I think. Um, so they're still working that out. And at the same time, they've um, the Vimy resources who have struggled to get investors have now decided to merge with a company called Deep Yellow, um, who who's a, a bigger company and a company with a, a track record and so is likely to get more finance than Vimy were on their own. Um, so that, you know, that's all underway. And they're but they're at the end of the day, they haven't made a final investment decision on advancing the mine and haven't completely decided what form the mine is going to take. So to make the claim 
that they've substantially commenced and for the government to accept it, you know, we think is, is, um, is terrible. Yeah, I've um, got some other words for it, but uh, terrible will do. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. So who is Deep Yellow and where are they from? So Deep Yellow is, um, is a reformation of the people who started Paladin. So Paladin, yeah, some of your listeners will remember um, because there's probably been many stories about Paladin on the Radioactive show. They have two mines in Africa, um, Langer Heinrich in Namibia and Kayla Kera in Malawi. And both of those mines have just been plagued with industrial disputes, worker fatalities, um, accidents on site, community opposition, at, particularly at Kayla Kera and concerns over environmental pollution, um, flooding, all sorts of things. So the people at the helm of Paladin, um, Gillian Swaby and John Borshoff, are now at the helm of Deep Yellow. But if that wasn't kind of a bad enough track record, their chairperson of Deep Yellow is um, Chris Salisbury, who was at the time of the Duke and Gorge destruction, the iron ore boss at Rio Tinto. Um, and he's so after he left Rio Tinto post the Duke and Gorge destruction, he um, became a chairperson of Deep Yellow. It's appalling that someone that can be responsible for such extraordinary damage at, and disrespect at Duke and Gorge can then go and get a position like that at Deep Yellow, setting himself up at another company to do similar damage again, potentially. Yeah, it's um, it's a shock. It's a shock to see some of those um, those executives reemerge. Um, but what? Yeah, but it's also just very disheartening for the community who, um, so that they have the active native title claim, but the mining lease was granted in 2016 and the native title claim was registered in 2020. So in terms of the, um, in terms of the native title engagement, there is really, there is really not a lot of um, power for that community in negotiating with this company. Um, and so you would hope then that you had a company who really valued strong relationships with traditional owners to have a, um, a different negotiation process outside of, you know, the constraints of native title. In this case, you know, there's not a lot of hope that that will happen, although the company have... Um, recently for the first time met with the registered claim group um, but I've been talking about jobs and um, and contracts not not um, kind of royalties or veto rights or anything like that. Do you think that the uh, Mulgarox approvals process will be affected in any way by the change of government to a Labor government? Will that have any impact on whether the mine goes ahead or anything like that? Unlikely. Um, it's got a federal environmental approval and we know that the federal Labor government supports uranium mining, which is 
you know, a deep blow to lots of people in the community who put their their trust in uh, Labor to be better than the Liberal government. But unfortunately, the Labor government has for a while now supported uranium mining. There's no, nothing um, that we see will happen differently, though we hope that there will be some better um, some changes around native title and land rights because at the end of the day, whether it's a uranium mine or a fracking project or an iron ore mine or anything, um, traditional owners are, you know, between a rock and a hard place and um, the native title doesn't support self-determination over what happens on, on people's countries. And, and, you know, there is, I think, a little bit more hope that this government might change some of that, but it would, you know at least um, having some representation in parliament might mean that um, that First Nations voices are heard around a whole bunch of, you know, laws that need to change. Yeah, and it seems that Native Title's not really set up so much to support traditional owners but just to get deals happening for developments like uranium mines or whatever. It would be a lot better if things would shift so... Um, First Nations people would have more say or right of veto would be ideal. But in the meantime, we've just got to keep focusing on keeping the uranium in the ground. Uh, on that, what's Conservation Council of WA's uh, approach to dealing with all of this? Um, so we've been lobbying the government on a whole range of um, regulations for the site. Um, trying to improve and strengthen um, the regulations that exist. Um, We've also been pushing for them to just review the whole assessment um, and review whether or not the project has actually substantially commenced. Um, But as a fallback plan, we're, um, we're really pushing to strengthen regulations um, around some some of the really critical issues with uranium mining, like mine closure in particular, um, and trying to make sure that there's a full bond in place um, because I don't know if you or your listeners know, but in WA we don't have a bonds system like everywhere else in the country. Um, so, yeah, we think that that would be really important to to make sure that at least the cost of closures, closure should be accounted for by the company before they even start mining. But the good news in WA is that there are three other uranium projects that were approved that didn't meet their commencement condition that can now no longer proceed. Um, and what we're campaigning on for those three projects is that the um, WA government withdraw the approvals entirely which they have powers to do under the Environmental Protection Act and it's something that their party supports so um, we're really hopeful that at least we can quite permanently um, protect those three sites um, and then concentrate all our energy on doing whatever we can to stop the Mogul Rock project so there's the government side but then also um, we're trying to have some impact with their investors um, because some of their investors we think you know if they knew more about this project and these companies would would take their money out. So what can people do to support the campaign or get involved? 
Um, you can subscribe to our news bulletin, which will keep you up to date with with what's happening and and things that are going on. Um, there's a few things coming up that will be launching a, um, a uranium free charter, which people can sign on to, um, which is is calling out the Mogul Rock project and and calling on the government to stop that from going ahead. Um, we're going to be launching a new campaign T-shirt to help fundraise to get the Upali Upali and Spinifex women back out on country um, to do some important reconnecting to those those stories. And um, and later in the year we're hoping to, yeah, do a few other bits and pieces. So, yeah, the best way to get involved is to subscribe to our um, nuclear news bulletin once a week. You can do that by going onto the Conservation Council of WA website and under campaigns, nuclear free, there's a, a form there to fill out to subscribe and um, and we can stay in touch. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Mia. Um, you've been working on this campaign for a long time now and uranium's still in the ground, which is good, and um, we'll get you back on in the future to keep us updated about um, what happens next. Thanks so much. We haven't lost yet. And, uh, and hopefully we won't. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and help keep communities strong. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2022. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2022. Keep communities strong. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We just heard from Mia Pepper from the Conservation Council of WA about the persistence of Vimy Resources and their new potential partner, Deep Yellow, to mine uranium at Mulga Rock. Next, Friends of the Earth's Dr Jim Green shares his perspective on what the election result and change of government means for the nuclear-free campaign in Australia. Hi, Jim. Hi. Thanks for coming on the Radioactive Show today. So we're going to have a little chat about what the election result means for the nuclear industry in Australia. So maybe have a little whip around the nuclear fuel chain. Well, firstly, what do you think of the result? Oh, well, it's great for nuclear and nuclear issues for the reasons we're just about to discuss. Uh, And it's just fascinating having all these teal independents and the Greens getting... Uh, many more seats in the lower house and the Senate, so it's just fascinating. It is fascinating. What do you think the result and change from the Libs to Labor government means for mines, uranium mines in Australia? Well, I think it's kind of business as usual. Um, You know, we've only got two operating mines in Australia, both here in South Australia. Very limited prospects for more uranium mines. but anyway, we'll have to just wait and see. You know, the topical ones at the moment are, will the honeymoon mine in South Australia reopen? It's been in care and maintenance for the best part of a decade. And will there be any uranium mines in WA? And the biggest threat is one called Mulga Rock. Mm, we've just uh, had a chat with Mia Pepper about that one. And the other uranium issues are rehabilitation of the Ranger mine in the NT and the Rum Jungle mine in the NT. 
So, like I say, there's uh, not a huge, it's hard to spot a difference between uh, Liberal and Labor on uranium policy. I guess another one is uranium export policy. Will we continue to export uranium to China under a Labor government? Uh, you know, that's an open question. Um, uranium sales to Russia have been suspended for many years and presumably that will be maintained. Um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, what about power, the future of nuclear power in Australia? Do you think the Labor government will have anything nasty pushing that? No, I really don't think so. But what about the opposition? You know, if you've got an opposition coalition... Um, that's gung-ho about nuclear power. Well, that certainly keeps it on the agenda in Australia, and that's possible. Um, the Nationals have got a policy of promoting nuclear power, and they do promote nuclear power, but they're just so fringe and so nutty and so ignorant that it doesn't really seem to count for much. But, you know, you've got Liberal politicians like Dave Sharma uh, and uh, and various others who have been promoting nuclear power just in the past couple of days. So if the new incoming uh, Liberal leader, Peter Dutton, decides that the Liberals will promote nuclear power, well, you know, it's certainly on the agenda. But, uh, yeah, I can't see any problems with the Labor Federal Labor Party, and I'm sure that they're federal legal bans against nuclear power will be maintained for so long as we've got a Labor government. So overall, I think it's it, it's very positive and we'll just have to wait and see if it's still even on the agenda. It might literally die off. That ties into nuclear submarines as well, you know, how all that plays out with AUKUS and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, how do you think it will play out with AUKUS? To make that link with nuclear power, we assume that the federal legislation banning nuclear power would have to be amended to allow for nuclear-powered submarines. It's just a matter of whether that's a tight amendment, a narrow amendment, or whether it opens up the prospects for land-based nuclear power plants as well. Will the Labor government go ahead with nuclear-powered submarines? Well, I don't know. It's uh, You know, they're certainly saying they were in opposition. Now they have to deal with the reality of it, which is... The costs are obscene. The timeline is completely impractical. Uh, I would presume and hope that the Labor Party, the Labor government is a little bit more in tune with the proliferation risks associated with spreading highly, enriched, highly enriched uranium around the world and around our region. Then there are questions about whether the UK and the US want to share that sensitive nuclear technology anyway. Obviously, some of them do. But well, it is early days. Yeah, but we also need to influence this as much as we can and not only Friends of the Earth, but obviously organisations like ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, are very prominent in that sort of work as well. Mm. We will have a chat to ICANN on a future ad show about um, what it looks like going forward with a change of government for the weapons ban treaty and Australia's attitude towards it. Um, have you got any thoughts on that? For a Labor government, you know, they're conservative and pro-US alliance and quite happy to, with the nuclear deterrence policy and all that sort of stuff. So in practical terms, I guess the Labor government will be thinking, can they have a full carve-out of the US alliance and still sign and ratify the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons? 
So can they have their cake and, and eat it too and still effectively be pro-nuclear weapons, both practically and politically? Um, I suspect that Labor could be persuaded to sign and ratify the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, but with a full carve-out. So in some respects, it would be a hollow victory, but I would still see that as a victory because it's crossing a line. It's um, Australian ratification of a treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons is a is a terrific line to be crossing and it sets precedents and expectations and... Uh, you know, maybe the uh, in the medium term, the uh, alliance with the United States could be denuclearized, and we're no longer providing that practical support for U.S. nuclear weapons, and we're no longer providing the political support as well. Keep in mind that Australia has consistently undermined the UN's treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons from from the get go, very actively and systematically undermined it at every stage as well as refusing to sign and ratify it that's right um, but yeah no we've we're, we're in with a fighting chance now i think yeah so overall in all of the nuclear fuel chain the election means that things are less bad but not great and we've got to wait and see what will happen pretty much yeah, pretty much. But keep in mind, we we're already in a fairly strong position on some of these issues, like the uranium industry has more or less collapsed because of the economics. Nuclear power industry worldwide is in the process of collapsing because of the economics and because of the fallout from disasters like Fukushima. So, uh, But yeah, we're in a better stage now. Um, so overall, it's good news. Yeah, there's one... T- issue where we have to keep very engaged it's probably it, well it is the number one issue for foes anti-nuclear campaign and that's um the former morrison government's plan to impose a national nuclear waste dump on farming land near kimber in south australia exactly uh and we were getting mixed messages from labor in the uh, before the election I guess the most important thing to say is we were getting almost no messages at all. Labor certainly wasn't running on it as a campaign issue and was avoiding and deflecting as best they could. There was some stuff which sounded suspiciously like they were going to go ahead with the dump. There were others which were prominently championing championing the unanimous opposition of the Bangala traditional owners. So... It's hard to see how a Labor government would push ahead with a nuclear waste dump despite the unanimous opposition of the Bangala traditional owners. I think there have been decisions made within within Labor to go ahead with the dump, but I don't know if they've got high levels, top level support. And I certainly don't think that's been okayed by the uh, Indigenous caucus within the Labor Party, which comprises about half a dozen MPs. So we're absolutely very much in that fight now and with a serious potential to win it, whereas we were in a very difficult situation with the Morrison government. Well, that's where the good news is in the waste part of the issue. It's excellent. Um, Thanks so much for your time today and going through all that with us, Jim. No worries. Thanks. Thanks so much to Friends of the Earth's Dr Jim Green for sharing his thoughts about how the recent change of government affects the nuclear industry and campaign in Australia. 
Before that, we heard an update from Mia Pepper about the proposed merger between Vimy Resources and Deep Yellow in their attempt to get the mine at Mulga Rock approved. To stay up to date on the campaign, go to ccwa.org.au slash nuclearfreewa. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us at radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was recorded and produced with the support of Friends of the Earth's Nuclear Free Collective for 3CR Melbourne on the unceded lands of the Ghana and Wurundjeri people and it's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear, peace and energy issues.